Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuckaholics? And what the fuck, me's? How are you? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Uh, great show today. Before I get into it, real quick, right up front here, I do want to say that you can pre-order my book, Attempting Normal. It's a book of essays by me, Mark Marin. Please pre-order it if you're planning on getting it. You can pre-order it at Amazon or Powell's or Barnes & Noble, whatever your favorite place to get books is. You can pre-order the ebook, the enhanced ebook, the hardcover, uh, Attempting Normal by me, Mark Marin, out uh, April 30th. But the pre-order, the pre-order helps, apparently. So let's get into what's happening today. Dick Van Dyke, my friends. How, how ingrained is Dick Van Dyke in your mind? Do you remember as a child? I mean, I don't know when I saw Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, but I know I saw it. I know there were parts of it that were spectacular. There's a flying car, and then there was the weird cave place with all the, the thrown away kids that was kind of scary. And you just remember Dick Van Dyke being amazing. I can't even remember when I watched it. I'm not sure when it came out. I have to assume that it had been out already, and this is just sort of regular viewing, but we didn't have videos back then. I'm curious now. 1968. So... You know what? I probably saw it when I was a kid. I probably saw that when it came out, and it's just etched into my brain. Mary Poppins came out in 64. I did not see that then, because I'm sure I wouldn't have remembered if I went when I was one years old. But again, Dick Van Dyke chiseled into my brain. He had such an amazing, magnanimous, kind of beautiful, goofy energy, and he was so acrobatic almost, and so funny i it just he's like an archetype living in my head a comedy archetype in my brain and now like i got this uh they've got the dick van dyke show you can get a a whole box set a blu-ray box set that's out from image entertainment it's the complete dick van dyke show with mary tyler moore rose marie uh maury amsterdam the whole crew watching some of that and you just you, you know what's amazing is really to see a guy that was so naturally gifted. I mean, a lot of times people forget that there are some things you can learn and there are some things that you can, you know, maybe do a few times. But if you're just a naturally gifted, funny dude with a sort of dexterity and the kind of physical timing that Dick Van Dyke had, it was a gift. And there's not very many people like him. I don't think there's anybody like him. Dick Van Dyke is an original. And I was thrilled when I got the opportunity to do this uh, this interview, I, I was able to set up the interview. His wife is a is a comedy fan. Her, her brother's actually a comic, and and she's a fan of WTF. So I, I think, look, I wasn't sure, you know, how it would go. I mean, Dick Van Dyke's eighty seven. You don't know what you're getting into. I, I have talked to very lucid and quick eighty seven year olds to ninety year olds. I've talked to a couple that were, uh, you know, mostly there. But uh, I didn't really know what I was getting into. And I drove out to Malibu, and I actually have never been to this part of Malibu. I don't think I've ever been to Malibu, maybe once to drive by it. But I always think like Malibu, it's sort of this mythological place. I always, like I have this weird picture of Bob Dylan's house in my brain. I always think I'm just going to see Bob Dylan's house. So I'm looking for Bob Dylan on my way to Dick Van Dyke's house. 
get there early, which means they got to sort of park in front of Dick Van Dyke's house. That's always the awkward thing is like, I don't want to show up too early. It's his house. So I'll just park out here and be creepy. I'll just park in front of the house for a little while. So I did that and uh, I walked in, you know, the publicist was there, Tim, and, and uh, he prepped me a little bit. But I, I, while I was waiting, I should preface this, like I was early enough to go get Chipotle. And I, I, I don't know, many of you have gotten the hang of how I do my show. And when you're talking to somebody with as an expansive a, a career and life as Dick Van Dyke, I mean, what, how do you really... You know, how do you do it? How do you wrap your brain around it? I mean, I ask myself these questions every time I interview anybody who's had a very prolific career because you don't want to you don't want to screw it up. You don't want you want to make sure you cover stuff. And I just remember sitting there at the Malibu Chipotle, just sort of meditating on Dick Van Dyke. I mean, that's all. I, that's what I do. I mean, I can check facts to a certain degree, but ultimately you want to get in there, sit down. And just have a real conversation with the guy. That's gonna, that'll make up for anything. And I, I got to tell you, what a great guy. I have a feeling that he really wanted to, you know, because I, I got a feeling that uh, that his wife, Arlene, you know, had sort of said, you know, this guy's, you know, he's a good guy. He's legit. And it worked out beautifully. He's got a nice house, a modest house, and just, uh, you know, on fire, man. The dude was like firing all cylinders. And it like, he's just got that voice. I mean, it's Dick Van Dyke, man. I'm just sitting there on a couch trying to keep my shit together and just, uh, but you know, ultimately people are just people. They really are. And as I get older, I start to, my respect for the older generation of performers uh, gets deeper and deeper. And I had, I had a lovely time. It was, it was, uh, it was again, a thrill. I mean, between Carl Reiner, Mel Brooks, and now Dick Van Dyke, uh, you know, who obviously without, without Carl Reiner would not be the Dick Van Dyke that we know. You know, I told him I talked to Carl, and it, it's nice to have that. Look, I'm not gloating. It's not a humble brag. I'm not claiming to be anybody's friend. But I'll tell you, for me, I never thought I'd be here. I never thought I'd be, you know, sitting at Chipotle wondering what I was going to say to Dick Van Dyke. I never thought I'd be parked in front of Dick Van Dyke's house wondering when the right time to go in would be or wondering whether or not they were suspicious about the car. And I never thought in my life that I'd get to talk to Dick Van Dyke, and I'm, I'm happy to share it with you. So now... Well, walk with me into uh, Dick Van Dyke's house. It's always interesting, you know, going over to someone's home or going to somebody's office because, uh, you know, they're never right there. You know, you, the, you're always wondering, am I going to wait? Where are they? Are they hiding in the room? But, you know, he was right there. You walk in and it's, uh, there's Dick Van Dyke. How you doing? Uh, okay, let's, and I'm setting up my mics. And it's always a little, it's always a little humbling, man. I got to be honest with you, in a good way, you know, to be the guy Kind of like getting comfortable, setting up the mics, setting up the boom, making sure he's comfortable, making sure I'm comfortable, making sure I'm hearing everything all right. And then, okay, focus, blast off. Let's talk to Dick Van Dyke. You know who else I, uh, I interviewed that? Like it's, I'd never really been out here to these parts. <laughs> it wasn't out here. But it seems similar. I interviewed Shelley Berman. God almighty, where is he? I haven't seen him in years. Yeah, he's, I, didn't you guys do a thing together like yeah. a million years ago? We did a, a Broadway review. Right. Bert Lahr, Nancy Walker, Shelley Berman, and me. Yeah. And a young a chorus singer who ended up writing Annie. Girls and Boys. Uh, girls, are, girls Against the Boys. Girls Against the Boys. Yeah. 
But what was his name? He became a, a producer and he wrote Annie the musical. Uh huh. And I forget what uh, quite a few things. And he was just a, a chorus boy in that review. And that's how it starts. I think it was the last <laughs> review ever done on Broadway. Old fashioned, right. you know, songs and sketches. Right, right, right. I thought it was pretty good, but I was emceeing game shows, doing the news, children's shows. I took every job I could. 1960. Get. So that Bye Bye Birdie was the first big break, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I had gotten a contract with CBS in 55 and came to New York. From where? From, uh, I was down in New Orleans doing local television. But that's not where you grew up. No, I grew up in Illinois, Danville, Illinois. Danville, Illinois. Yeah. How many, like, wait, is that rural? I can't picture Danville, Illinois. Well, it's about 30,000 people. Yeah. 130 miles south of Chicago, five miles from the Indiana line. Right. Beckley, Hoosiers. Yeah. And it was a lot of corn. Yeah, you know, it's all corn. There. You just... <laughs> uh, coal mining, strip coal mining. Yeah. And there used to be uh, some manufacturers there, but I think the last time I went, it was... Unemployment was thirty percent. Yeah, and getting worse. Did you go? You go down there though? Do you? Do yeah, you, I've you have, gone home. You yeah, got family there, there still? You should see the Danville Commercial News after I got the SAG Award. Oh, really? I wasn't just on the front page. I was the entire newspaper. <laughs> they ran with it for a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's me. amazing. I mean, do you you still have you have family there? Not really anymore. Yeah. I used to have. Aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, great grandparents. It was I could walk in any direction and find uh-huh. them. There's nobody left. Isn't that weird? They're all gone. No cousins, no nothing. Nothing. Weird. Yeah. Now, what kind of family did you grow up in? Big? Well, it was just my brother and, and myself. You and Jerry? But we were surrounded by cousins and you know relatives everywhere. And what was that? What was your old man's business? He worked for the Sunshine Biscuit Company. He sold cookies. They still sell those, on don't the they? Ro- yeah, they still sell them. Sunshine's still a brand. He was on the road, you know, four, five days a week. Selling cookies. Yes, selling <laughs> cookies. In the, during the Depression, you know, I'm a, not too many people. <laughs> to, uh, to, to grocery stores, I'm hoping. Or door-to-door, no? Oh, no, grocery stores. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he represented the company. Yeah, right, he's not going door-to-door yeah. with a bag of cookies. So the one thing I had a lot of as a kid was uh, cookies. Plenty of cookies. <laughs> oh, not Oreos. What did they call the... Hydrox. Hydrox. You remember them? The same yeah. thing as Oreos. I think they're still around. I, I mean, they, I, I, don't, I haven't seen them. I, I don't know. But I know the company's still there. Right. And when did you, uh, when did you start the, knowing that uh, you could do the, the performing thing? Well, I don't know. I, it was kind of a fate. Yeah. I had, I had been on the freshman track team. I was pretty good 440 and uh, high jump. Yeah. I went for my junior year to get, or my sophomore year, to get the doctor's thing, he said, you have a heart murmur. I don't want you doing any more running. Heart murmur. Turned out the, the draft board didn't find any heart murmur. Oh, I went right <laughs> to service two years later. <laughs> you were kind of hoping on that heart yeah, murmur. Yeah, I thought maybe. I was going to be, no, sir, right in. But anyway, I joined the dramatic club. and right. started doing plays and musicals and right. loved it. To avoid uh, getting into the trenches? No, or? no, I loved it. I, right. I liked performing. Yeah. I had been a magician in my when I was eleven or twelve, but anyway, I got I was taller than the uh, the girls and yeah. I had a voice that would right would carry. carry. Uh-huh. So I got in all the plays, uh-huh. but I never took it seriously because it was just too far a dream to think of getting into show business. What did what did that entail though? When it, when you in when you were drafted and you wanted to do that, did you where did you perform? How did those shows? How were well, they structured? Or? Well, I uh, I joined the Air Force. I got into pilot training. Uh huh. I took the test, and I was healthy and everything, but I had to gain, I weighed 
35 pounds. You were like a twig. I was six feet one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. And I had to weigh 141 yeah, yeah. to get in. Right. So I took the physical three times. Yeah. I finally made the 141. That, that must have been fun eating. Oh, boy. <laughs> six weeks later, I weighed 170 something. Oh, my God. But then yeah. the war started to yeah. wind down. It was the end of 44 when I went when in. When you get, yeah. So they put me in entertainment. And I did a little radio show. And then we, we did shows for the USO. Right. But being in the service, we could steal material from anybody. Everyone know, was doing everyone's material, right? <laughs> right. It was, just, it was just the way it went then, kind of. Oh, sure. Now, who was it? Who, like, you did reviews. Yeah. And who, who were uh, people in your reviews? Anyone still around? No. No, Nobody's nobody, sure. not one. Because no. there was a like, because I know that other people have done those kind of things. I think Carl did. I don't know if he did those kind of reviews. Mel, Mel was he, in the he service. He did in the service. I think Carl did. Yeah. Yeah. It was. He did shtick. Yeah. Know? I just fell into it. Yeah. And what was it mostly? Singing or uh, well, uh, stand up? They called us all in. All all the trainees were right. pilot training. Yeah. Said that we're the war is winding down. We're washing out the uh, the, the uh, training program. Uh, some of you will be going to Japan as tail gunners, and uh, others will be assigned according to their talents. And I started tap dancing and singing on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. was a great motivator. Yeah, I, I bet. And you, uh, did you tap dance or you didn't know? Well, I, I can fake it pretty good. I can still fake it pretty good. And that's how I got in and saved my life. And when you got out, you, you, you realized it was a career or no? Well, I had gotten a job. Uh, while I was still in high school right. as a radio announcer, yeah. everybody was getting drafted. Right. So I worked after school and weekends, <clears throat> did the news, records, everything. So I went back to that station. Uh, I was 19. <clears throat> excuse in Danville. Me. <clears throat> in Danville. Yeah. WDAN. And I worked there for a while, and a friend of mine, kind of a friend, an older guy, said, I, you want to go out to L.A. and do an act? Yeah. And I said, you know, what time will you pick me up? And we came out here to L.A., and started doing a little record pantomime act. Who's that guy? Who was that other guy? His, his name was Phil Erickson. He was, uh, he's passed away. And we knocked around town for a few years. So you're a comedy team? Yeah. And what but, you, well, Jerry what, Lewis did it. Right. And it was the same thing. You was, put, I was in my Jerry Lewis period. Okay, so you put records on. And pantomime, yeah, lip sync. And did goofy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it was very hot back there. There were a lot of those acts around. Really? But it was just a lark. We yeah. thought, you know, we'll go home and do something useful with our life. Was there a straight man? Or we, so you were the goofy guy? I was, was Jerry Lewis and he was Dean Martin. And were you do, literally riffing on what Jerry did? Well, and... actually, I had never seen Jerry Lewis. Oh, so, okay. When so... I first saw them, I said, he stole my act. <laughs> <laughs> so you were completely physical? Oh, completely. And yeah. did, you'd never done any clowning or anything like that? Well, I was somewhat of an idiot in high school. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it just oh, came yeah. natural to you. It was not a trained thing. <laughs> oh, no. No, I just loved it. <laughs> so how long did you tour with that? Uh, a couple of years. We went from here to, we played Vegas and Reno and places like that. We mo we went to Atlanta, Georgia. This is in 1950. Vegas at that time, that must have been like, it, what, was it four hotels, five hotels? It must have been very it small. It wasn't many more. And like, who was, uh, were, were, were there other performers around that you remember? Or were you just oh, yeah. Well, uh, Sinatra was already playing the Flamingo. Yeah, yeah. All the big stars of that day. Did you guys hang out at that time or at all? No, no. You just kind of no, went in and out? Nobody knew who no. we were. The star of our show was Eddie Peabody, uh -huh. who played the banjo. Uh -huh. And I got to introduce him, and my big joke was, Eddie Playbody will now pee for you. <laughs> That was my big... That was your opener? <laughs> yeah, Boom, opener. we're in. Yeah, hey. Here we go. Killed him. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to Georgia? 
Went to Georgia, yeah. liked it so much, we both bought homes on the GI Bill and started families. In Georgia? In Georgia. Atlanta? Atlanta. Huh. Yeah. So wait, you were out here in L.A. and mm -hmm. you were in like show business was here. Yeah. I imagine your heroes were here on some level. Oh, of course. Like who would that have been? Like when well, you came out here? Uh, I was a big Stan Laurel. I grew up copying everything Stan Laurel. He was did. your inspiration. Yeah. And I finally got to meet him years later. How was and that? And of course, huh? I found him in a phone book. He was here. in the Santa Monica phone book. I just called him up. Really? Yeah. And he answered? Answered and invited me over. Did he know who you were? Yeah, I had, this is after I'd started the Van Dyke show. Okay, okay. But I was amazed to find that uh, Danny Kay, Jerry Lewis, a lot of people I made called him in the phone pilgrimages <laughs> yeah. to Stan's house, yeah. And, and what was that like? Is he a quiet guy? Oh, I mean, what... He was very quiet, quite the English gentleman, uh -huh. but sweet and, and, and kind. Called me Dickie. Uh -huh. And uh, I would sit and just play him with questions, you know. How did you think of this idea? How did you think of that? And he loved to talk about it. Did he have answers? Oh, yeah. He loved to talk about comedy. And what did he think of uh, uh, Oliver Hardy, like, in retrospect? I mean, he said Oliver Hardy was the funniest man he ever knew. Uh -huh. He said he would break him up. Uh huh. He said I would have to start laughing. So they had that dynamic where they, they really they loved each other oh, and they, they, yeah. they fed off each other. And, and it all came through on film. Oh, right? yeah. They were like two kids. It was an amazing dynamic with those two. Nobody's and, ever matched it. And Stan always ended up crying. I know, <laughs> which he hated. He did. He did not think the cry was funny. He did. And they made him do it. Who, For some reason, he didn't like the cry. Who made him do it? The, 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 uh, probably Ollie. <laughs> I don't know. But Stan did all the writing mm -hmm. and uh, everything. Ollie was not you know that ambitious yeah at the end of the day he wanted to go play nine holes of golf sure so well those big guys then have big personalities i don't oh, think they, yeah. they in general in my mind it seems like the the larger comedy personalities were always a little more towards uh let's have a good time of course yeah he was a pretty good dancer too who uh, ollie, oh really it was very graceful but you know those slow burns that Ollie would do in the camera? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stan would wait until it was time for him to play golf yeah. and keep him going. And then Ollie would start to get pissed off. And that's when he would get right. the, he was really mad. So the intensity that. of the slow burn really, really got delivered. <laughs> yeah. It was genuine. So cute. They've never, nobody's ever had that relationship before. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen it. I don't know that teams really uh, exist in that way anymore. No, the, the straight man was always rather rough, like Abbott and Costello. Yeah. And unkind. But they were like two siblings yeah. who loved each other and depended upon each other totally. Yeah, it but was really fought cute. Yeah. All the time. And you used to watch him when you were a kid. Oh, every Saturday. So when you been. go in there to talk to Stan Laurel, like, like, you must have been nervous at first. Do you remember like specific things? Do you remember your first, like, your, your icebreaker? <laughs> well, when I called him on the phone, yeah. uh, I said, you know, Mr. Laurel, I've, I've uh, stolen a lot from you over the years. Mm -hmm. And he said, yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we were friends right away. He wanted me to play his life if they ever did a movie. What, why didn't you? Nobody ever wanted to make the movie. Isn't that odd? No. Yeah. He didn't feel there was a real story there. I think he was married five times, twice to that's, the same woman. That sounds like five stories to me. Or <laughs> <laughs> at least five stories. And then Ollie died at, uh, back in the 50s. Yeah, yeah, early on. I never got to meet him. But you, so you come to L.A. and you, you get a sense of show business and you know this is where it is and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go to Georgia. I mean, what kind of decision was that? I mean, what was the plan there? Well, we were thinking more, we loved the town, despite the fact that it was, you know... Segregated. Segregated, yeah. which was a shock to both of us. But it was only about 
quarter of a million people back then. Right. Lovely city, and yeah. we loved the people. We wanted to settle down there, having no idea what we were going to do with her. Uh-huh. And you, and you started the family. You started the family. And how many kids do you have? I have four now. Two of them were born in Atlanta. And you stayed in Atlanta for how long? Uh, till 54, 54 or 55. And you're still performing in the team on the road? No, we, uh, uh, eventually I got a television show. Did you own a nightclub? No, he did. Oh, so, okay. Called The Wit's End. Yeah. And he began to put together little comedy sketches and troops and improv. He finally uh, put up about three shows all out in the road. Uh-huh. He became quite good at producing. And I went into television. I was in New Orleans for about six months. How'd you get that gig? Uh, they asked me, and a little improvement in. Uh, in they just the, found you because you had performed down there with your partner, and they said. No, they uh, my partner stayed. He had his nightclub, and by that time we'd kind of separated, and each went our own way. So I was in New Orleans for about six months. I had a show, on the an hour every afternoon, five days a week. Like a magazine show. Or oh, no, I, I had a little trio saying, dance, interview oh, really? people on the street, everything. Where'd and you pick up the singing? When did that start? I, I'm just a shower singer and always have been. Yeah. But nobody noticed. Right, but it's all about personality. I mean, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and I got, I got a, a, a friend at CBS. Yeah. I went up there and did a little audition, and they gave me a contract, seven-year contract. At like twice the money I was making. Great. A big break for me and right? the family. So we all moved to Long Island. So, oh, at Long Island after New Orleans? Yeah. So like, so, okay, so you started a show in New Orleans and they give you the contract in New York. Right. And what was the show in New York? Nothing. They just hired me. <laughs> those I did the, a little audition. Those are the best kind of deals. They tried me yeah. at everything. Yeah. I, I like, didn't know what I did. Like what? And I, I knew I wasn't as a stand-up or a right. singer or a dance. I didn't know what I did. So what'd they try you? What'd they run you through? They had me doing Saturday morning <clears throat> uh, cartoons. Suddenly I became... Hosting them? Yeah. Be, uh-huh. <clears throat> then I became the anchor of the CBS morning show. Really? The anchor, 29 so years So now ago. you're a newsman. Clueless. A newsman. Yeah. Did the news, interviews, weather. My newsman was Walter Cronkite. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> He was just a reader, like a news reader? Like, yeah, he just did the news. That, so that was like his first gig. Yeah. Isn't that I, well, I think he'd been on the radio. Uh, he'd been a journalist uh-huh. originally. Nice guy? One, uh, one of the nicest people I ever met. Yeah? He was a sweet, sweet man. Yeah, he, the world grew to rely on that guy. Isn't that interesting? Like he you could have been the, president. Yeah, you were there at the beginning, and yes. then he became the voice of America. Like, people depended on him for some exactly. straight... And they trusted him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was a good guy good guy i have a picture that he sent me many years later of the two of us on the news set mm-hmm. and he wrote how did you ever make it without me <laughs> he would have been the he would have been the ultimate straight man <laughs> right <laughs> wonderful wonderful guy and so what and, and, and one of the copywriters on my show was barbara walters oh my she God. wrote copy i can't imagine what, what she was in her 20s yeah she would have been early 20s what was she, what was she like did, was she uh, spunky yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had a lot of confidence, even back then. Yeah. And her dad was Lou Walters. I don't know who, who that is. the Latin Quarter. Oh, really? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, it's a nightclub? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Big nightclub. Yeah. And with uh, performers and whatnot? Oh, yeah. It was top of the line back in those days. Oh, really? So she was just, she probably lived on Long Island, too, huh? I don't know. Or in the city? That's <laughs> in, like, I'm just trying to picture Barbara Walters. I have Walters. no idea. It's so interesting to, to picture these people as young people, because when, I, you know, I'm 49, and I don't ever, I don't remember her being young ever. Of course not. I mean, not. Like, with you, I mean, you know, everyone sees your movies. 
You know, yeah, no matter what age you are, what decade it is, you're going to see Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You're going to see Mary Poppins. <laughs> right. it's, it's part of growing up. That's right. It was very interesting about that because uh, the woman I'm dating now, she's like, yeah, Dick Van Dyke was my ideal man when I was like five or six years old. He was, right? yeah, yeah. And then someone else on Twitter said like, oh, everyone loved Dick Van Dyke. Like, I didn't know you were this sex symbol for preteen uh, I girls. I didn't either. <laughs> my God. There you go. Good thing I'm not a pedophile, huh? <laughs> no, no. I think you were just, uh, the at, at that time, I, I think when, when kids have their fathers, and yeah. then they see a grown-up. Well, I think him. I was kind of a father figure, really. Uh-huh. But you're, you're, you're goofy. You seem to have a good sentiment. You know what I mean? You're yeah. a nice guy. You can sing. You know, I'm sure that, <laughs> that kids are like, my dad doesn't do any of that. <laughs> right. So, so you do a, uh, this goofy show where you're driving a, a basically a magazine show on Saturday mornings, right? Or yeah. It? I think it was Heckle and Jekyll. You, do you remember that? Sure, the two crows. <clears throat> two black crows. But what was the new show? That was a daily show? Yeah, it was on... But that was before there was any cable between the sure. two coasts. Right. We did it three hours a day. We'd do an hour, and then the third hour would be a repeat for the West Coast. And you'd do the third hour repeat. We'd do it, yeah, live. Isn't that, isn't that, people don't, oh. the, the amount of work that went into live television is oh, insane. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and there's no repeats, there's no rewrites. I mean, you're in it. I know. People don't even understand that. Today. Yeah, yeah. They would say, well, couldn't you do a retake? Yeah. No, there's no retakes. Life. Were there some good moments where things went oh, wrong? Oh, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. I bet you wish you had those on tape where oh, things just God. went south. I was hoping there'd be some kinnies around because things went wrong. Yeah. A lot of the times, if you were interviewing someone, an actor or a musician or something, who had been up till three in the morning. Right. They didn't go to bed. They would just come. Yeah. Stoned. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Just, I would prop them up on a sofa. <laughs> I would ask the question and answer yeah. it. Hope for the best. <laughs> really? Yeah. There were moments where you weren't getting anything oh, back? nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Musicians are tricky like that even now. Even if they're not drinking. They're, they're not the, the not ultimately big conversationalists. No, no. A lot of monosyllabic guests. Sure, had, sure. Who would just stare at me. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I wasn't that experienced. You know? Right. And so you just kind of like, in, you're probably nervous energy, sort of, of like course, filling the yeah. gaps and like, you know, laughing in weird places. I had to get up at four on yeah. Long Island, leave at five to be there by six for, you know, run through the show. Right. And then on the air from seven to 10. That's a crazy schedule. I, I did it for a year and they finally let me go. <clears throat> they realized that I wasn't cut out. That wasn't your thing. But you still had what, five years on your contract? <clears throat> at the end of three years, they dropped me. Yeah. Because they didn't know what to do with me, and right. neither did I. And was that a feeling of like, you know, in show business, you know, I do comedy, and I've been through different periods of my life. Was that a frightening kind of like, you know, what, what the hell happens now? I, I had three kids by then. I'm renting a house on Long Island and no job. And it was, oh, I was scared to death. And what happened? What did I do? I started doing a, a game show from the Latin Quarter. Uh-huh. Live game show. Live game show called Mother's Day. What was that? Uh, egg frying contest, diaper changing. Kind. <clears throat> I was awful, and I was bad at it. Yeah, I hated it. Yeah. Did you and understand the game? I, I had one opportunity to host a game show, and I couldn't even wrap my brain around the game. I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know the game. No, not really. It was. <laughs> well, uh, Rogers and Cowan, then a great big uh, PR and production company. Yeah came to me and said, we're trying out a new idea for a game show. Right. Would you come in and MC it? We'll get people off the street. Right. And we'll that's well, always good. People off the street. That's oh, a, yeah. yeah. That's going to be a good show. It was The Price is Right. Oh, my God. I went home and said, 
It's the, the dumbest idea for it. Guessing how much something costs, right. that's a game yeah. show. Never going to last. 40 years ago and it's still on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This but, is crazy. No one's going to watch that. <laughs> yeah. a, I still think it's a dumb Was Bob idea. Barker the original host? You know, no, uh, Bill. Bill, oh, what is it? Yeah, uh, see, Cullen? Bill, Cullen? Cullen, Bill Cullen. Oh, my God, how Bill, did I know he that? Was, he that was is born, unbelievable, huh? He was born to do games. Yeah, and he did he forever. Greatest. So when did the big break come? When did, when did you enter Broadway? How did that happen? That, every day when the uh, Mother's Day went off the air, yeah. I would head for the theater district and start auditioning. And I said I could do anything. I auditioned. I got a few callbacks on shows, and I finally auditioned for, for a Gower Champion who gave me the part right on the spot. Apparently, because we were about the same size and build, I think he saw himself in the part yeah. and hired me on. And I told him I couldn't dance, and he said, well, we'll teach you the steps. And uh, the reviews opening night were very good, except at the bottom it just said, Mr. Van Dyke is adequate. 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 Oh, yeah. That's but not was, something you put on the resume. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was a nervous wreck. I yeah, yeah. Broadway. And you had to learn how to dance. Yeah, but I got good at it once I relaxed. Yeah. I was really swinging. Well, you got a style. You know, you got, a, you got your, the Dick Van Dyke style. There's, <laughs> which is, Whatever that is. Well, you, you get into it, you know. But then I, I, I was in it for a year, and yeah. I won a Tony. Yeah. Bye-bye, Birdie. Huge hit. They it still do a, it in high schools. <clears throat> I'm always getting calls from a fan. Look, my kid's doing Bye Bye Birdie. Would you? Would you what? It a lot. Would you, <laughs> <laughs> what do they want from you? Yeah, could you come over and help him? Could you? We saw you when, yeah, you, give when we some were. Pointers. Yeah, yeah. It was a really too uh, frolic on the stage. It was too, good two hours entertainment. And and then that's what started the whole role. Yeah, Carl Reiner saw me in Bye Bye Birdie mm -hmm. and had me fly out and do the pilot and. Uh, I was in. I, things have been very nice. It's for the Dick Van Dyke show? Yeah. And, and that was originally meant for him. Like he, he, he always seems to bring that up. Like, it yeah, was for he me. Sh he shot a pilot. Yeah, yeah, right. And it, he wasn't right for it. He, uh -huh. he played it way too nervous and anxiety-ridden. Uh -huh. He was, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, as a writer, jeez. There's nobody like him. Who are the rest of the guys on that writing crew? Uh, Bill Persky and Sam Denoff came in from New York. Yeah. And uh, became associate producers. They wrote a lot of shows. We would buy a few scripts outside and then rewrite them. Right. Because Carl knew what he wanted. And when you did that, like, did, had, did anyone have any idea? I mean, what, what was the landscape of television like at that time? Because it seems to me that the timing of the Dick Van Dyke show, so that was 1961. Right. So that means like the 50s are over. America's changing. You know, uh, the ways people live are changing. You know, there's a little backlash from the Eisenhower years. And you're now moving in to the 60s and things are loosening up a little right. bit. And it seems to me that the Dick Van Dyke show set the model for 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 sitcom relationships that, that really still exists today, that the dynamic between you and Mary Tyler Moore and the way that the workplace was characterized and the, the sort of yeah, middle class nature of the of the, the situation yeah. and the work and the comedy that they never like they, that's repeated. I mean, have you ever thought of it that way? No, that, but I, so many writers became writers right from watching our show and right. thinking, hey, I want to do that. But I think it was the first uh, sitcom in which the father actually had a job he went to. You know, usually he just would come home and say, I'm home. Yeah, I'm home from the thing. He'd take his hat off and put the briefcase <laughs> and down she gets or whatever. the coffee. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that was a, a, a big difference. Because I don't even know what the sitcoms were. Did, like, at that time, what was on? Did you, you worked with Phil Silvers a bit, right? I did two of the Sergeant Bilko's. Now, that was a, a big television show in the 50s, correct? Oh, yeah. Huge. And yeah. then the Honeymooners were on? Yeah, Gleason and even Burl was still on, I think. Uh-huh. And, uh, Ed Sullivan was Ed still Sullivan. on. Ed Sullivan. But see, that was like, like it doesn't seem like the, the dynamic, like it seemed like a big jump from those type of shows to your show. Yeah, Carl had, Carl said, I want there to be, I want them to realize that you have sex. Yeah. You know? And there was that, that you didn't see in other shows. You felt right. that a lot of people, a lot of the public thought we were really married uh-huh. in real life. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And but, wasn't that the first show where you slept in the same bed? Was that a big deal? Or no. It, oh, you we never did. Bob Newhart oh. got to sleep with, with, with Suzanne Plachette. That was no, Mary the, and I were still stuck. That was in the 70s, though, wasn't it, yes, Newhart? Right. It took that long? Yeah. You, we uh, couldn't say the word pregnant. Really? Could not. We weren't allowed to say it. And when Carl started writing a couple of shows about black citizens, yeah. you know, and one about where we thought the baby was mixed, oh, the network went crazy. Freaked out. Oh, God, we had, he had to fight uh-huh. for that show, and it was probably the longest laugh I've ever heard. <laughs> 20 minutes. We had what, to cut what the, the camera. What was the line? Well, I think we've got the wrong baby. <laughs> and I call the other couple, they show up, and they're a black couple. <laughs> and when they walk in the door, I've never heard such a scream in my life. Oh, my God. Oh, we just cut the cameras, and they just kept screaming. And no one, because no one had ever seen that before. Never. It no, was he like, broke a lot of ground in that area. And it was, to me, so satisfying that he did it, people accepted it, thought, it, I think it was a big step yeah. in race relations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really do, to yeah. do it with humor. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I don't think people know, and I don't think I know, just how segregated the culture was, even in unsegregated areas, because there's oh, still tension now. Still is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that there was just, uh, to even engage that joke, Yeah. it must have just been explosive. It was unbelievable. He did one other one in which we were trying to help Richie make a Halloween costume. Mm-hmm. And we dyed a, a sheet black. And we ended up with black hands. Excuse me. Yeah. Black hands. Yeah. And I had to go speak to a black audience. Right. About. Show business. So I, yeah. yeah. About race relations. Right. Oh, really. right, right. So I had put, I put gloves on to yeah. hide it. Mm-hmm. And then right in the middle of the speech, I, he says, what, what am I doing? You know, and he takes it off and shows his black hand. That was another one that the network thought, oh, went great. What do you think they were afraid of? I mean, what do you think they thought was going to happen? I don't, they didn't want to offend anybody, oh, mainly. They, and they, yeah, the South. Oh, oh right, right. Them. Oh. Big market. <laughs> and by this point, were you still living out on Long Island? Or you're out here now? Uh, no, it was, we did shot it all here. here. Yeah. Now, when you met Mary Tyrell Moore, I mean, how, because you guys are still great friends, right? Oh, yeah. Did you know you had chemistry right away? Did you know that it was going to... Not right... No, not right away. She... Uh, I came and met her and we read right. the first script. Right. And I thought, she's awfully young. Yeah. She was 12 years younger than I. Oh, really? Yeah. And she uh, had a kind of a, a mid-Atlantic Catherine Hepburn uh-huh. delivery. Uh-huh. And not a comedian. No. Right. Had never done any. Right. At all. And I said to Carl, you know, she's awfully young and I, can she do comedy? Right. Which today, you know, clearly, like, she, what a funny. <laughs> she caught it. She got it almost immediately. And the chemistry worked. We were like an improv team. 
It was such fun. Was there a lot of improv on the set? During rehearsals. Yeah. All, we rehearsed all week, and everybody threw lines. Right. You know, Carl was really open to... He said sitcoms are rewriting. That's what it's about. Right. So by the night of the show, we, had a, we knew we had a solid and, show. And that shot live. Yeah, live. And you had Rosemary... With an audience. Yeah, and Maury Amsterdam, who and were Rosie. hilarious. I mean, what, what, where, where did they... Like, I should know, but I mean, were they both stage performers? Oh, uh, Maury had been a nightclub performer forever. Right. And Rosie had started out at, I think, three or four years old as baby Rosemary in vaudeville. Oh, my God. So they both had chops. a big pass. Yeah. And chops and razor sharp timing. So you did, what, five seasons or six? Or five. Like, that Carl, was- at the outset, said he wouldn't do more than five. That's probably smart, right? Well, not in my opinion. <laughs> I'd still be doing it. You're going to chip I mean, you'd be doing it now. Yeah, it was the most creative, fun time. Yeah, and there's no other about it. No other writer like Carl. No, the rest of us would have gone on forever, but he felt that you got would begin to get repetitive. But look at Seinfeld. When, what eleven seasons? Yeah, a lot of things go on past there. They they they, they need to. Yeah, I, I, I think we could have done a few more years, personally. Yeah. Well, I have you brought that up with him? Do you bring it up <laughs> oh, with him every time you see him? Yeah. <laughs> Just three more. We could have had three more. We had would... <laughs> so, but you worked with Carl after that. You did the films, or you we did, did a the, film? Uh, film called The Comic. That's a hard film to find. You know, I've only been able to watch it in pieces. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm, I'd like to get it on DVD. That movie, we had so much fun shooting it, and it, Columbia released it, and that was it. Two weeks later, it was gone. Well, I think it was a, it's a difficult movie to chart the, the sort of slow kind of, um, what would you call it? I mean, this is about a, a silent film star. Right. Who, uh, you know, who, who makes a move into, uh, into talkies, correct? Yeah. And, and then just gets uh, beside himself with, uh, with uh, lust alcoholism you know it's just a slow crumbling we used buster keaton a lot because buster did that did you ever meet him oh he was another one i looked up yeah the greatest genius you so you befriended him when you came out here to do uh the dick van dyke show well i found him after that once i found stan laurel i was on a roll yeah it didn't take much (laughs) no how'd you find him uh through somebody who who knew him he lived out in woodland hills and i called him and got to go out and visit him. What age was he at at that point? He was about 68, I mm-hmm. think. Right, at, right about in there. And wh- how was that? Because he seems like a very heavy-hearted dude. He was very shy. Mm-hmm. I, I, his wife, Eleanor, I went out one Sunday afternoon to meet him. I was sitting in the living room with Eleanor, and I see him walking around outside. <laughs> I said, is he coming in? Or? And all of a sudden, he popped in with that flat hat of his and a ukulele uh-huh. singing, uh-huh. singing a little song. Uh-huh. Oh, Mr. Moon, Moon, Carolina Moon. And then I got to sit and talk to him. He was that sweet, was your, but so shy. That was your first encounter with him. That was, yeah. so you're, you're sitting in a living room, and I just, I, if I saw you wandering around outside waiting for you without coming in, I, there'd be a, an, uh, you'd almost feel like you're watching a movie. Like, <laughs> you must have laughed a little bit. Like, there's, there's Buster Keaton, he's wandering around outside. But she said he's very shy, yeah. and he was. Yeah. And what did you talk to him about? Was he... Uh, his career, of course. Uh-huh. Asking him, at one time or another, he had broken every bone in his body uh-huh. doing his stunts. Uh-huh. He broke his neck once and uh-huh. kept shooting. Yeah. He, he was a pool shark. He loved to shoot pool. Mm-hmm. And had a special cue that screwed together and went in a leather case, yeah, and yeah. he gave it to me. Ah. So I have that 
Yeah. That be- you have Buster Keaton's pool cue. Yeah. Did you spend more time with him, like regularly, or just that yeah, one time? Yeah, I get to go out on Sundays. He loved to cook. He had a little uh, electric train that yeah. went out along his fence to a picnic table back uh-huh. in the corner, uh-huh. and we we'd go toot toot. Not would come our hamburgers. Off. He was and, cute. And somewhere in the middle of the bridge, did he blow the bridge up so <laughs> no, the entire <laughs> train fell down and no. have to rebuild? That's the most amazing thing in that movie. What is that? The general. The where, general. Where they had that one shot, man. You know that that train could only fall down once. And, and he That's rolled right. the dice. That's an incredible uh, risk to take. There's a scene where they stop at the water tower and the water comes rushing out on yeah. him. <clears throat> that's where he broke his neck. Oh, really? He fell off the train and broke his and neck. And that's when he kept shooting. Because that was his and, big movie. I mean, that, oh, was, yeah. I think that was the first uh, major. I don't think it was his funniest movie. one by no, far. No, but the yeah. shorts were the funny ones, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so you meet Buster Keaton, and where are we going with that? Oh, the comic. So you and Carl wrote that film together. Uh, actually, Aaron Rubin, okay. who had written for Bilko and was producer of uh, Andy Griffith. They, the two of them wrote it. I came in and threw in my two cents. But what we ended up rewriting every day. Nobody in a suit ever came and bothered us. We were out in location. We just did what we wanted to do. And there are pieces of the film that don't make sense. Right. Because we would have a funny idea right. and throw it in, yeah. it was, even if it was a non sequitur. <laughs> so we had more fun than the audience did. I think. And what, what, why didn't the uh, movie succeed? They didn't publicize it at all. It got nothing. It just opened unannounced. Yeah. And I have people today who say they've seen it and, and like it. We, we, we went for authenticity. We shot in 16 millimeter, mm-hmm. 18 frames, mm-hmm. and then dragged it through my backyard to mess it up oh yeah, yeah. oh for the uh, for the silence for the silence yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 i think it's a good film about that era yeah and did you find that uh when you were playing it because i, I know that you've uh, you've had your own struggles uh, with the bottle and oh whatnot. yeah and uh was that did it seem prophetic to you <laughs> in any way well, it's, it really is what happened to buster keaton who became right. badly alcoholic uh, disappeared, and then in, in his late life, he was back doing commercials. He was in Mad, Mad, Mad World, and uh-huh. all of a sudden he had another career. Right. He didn't marry a, a young girl like <laughs> Billy Bright did. <laughs> yeah. I love he got married inside a, an oxygen tent. He did. <laughs> I, yeah, that, the, for some reason, that always strikes me so funny. It's a little dark for people, I think. <laughs> Maybe. <Yeah. laughs> so that, and she, that was after Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, and we after '69, yeah. I think, and after after Mary Poppins too, right? Yeah, Poppins was in the early '64, and when when those started to happen for you, so that was in the middle of your run on television as well, right? You were in between right. seasons. Yeah, the '60s was my big decade. So I everybody, you were constantly comic genius Dick Van Dyke. Let's <laughs> use him as much as we can. Let's yeah. wear this guy out. Yeah, every high. You know, of course, we did 39 shows back then, 39 in a series. The minute we'd break, I'd do a movie and then come back to work in the fall. So for 10 years, I never stopped. When did your brother start performing? In the, in the Air Force. Uh-huh. He, he's six years younger. He was in during the Korean War and ended up in a show called Tops in Blue and stole everybody's act. Uh-huh. And he was getting laughed. He was good at it. Yeah. But he got out of the service and suddenly he couldn't use the stolen material anymore. And he had to start writing were you guys close then 
We didn't see a lot of each other because I, I was in Atlanta. He was traveling around. He ne we never lived in the same town. Right. Was there ever, ever uh, like a tension because you were both in the same racket? No. No? No, not at all. Yeah. We ended up last year doing uh, Sunshine Boys, the Neil Simon Oh, really? Play. Where'd you do that? We did it here in Malibu. Uh -huh. And then we went to Dallas and did it. We, we wrote it a little bit. Did because, he play the aggravated one? Of course. Yeah, yeah he's the curmudgeon <laughs> in the family. But we had to make it Gentile. Uh -huh. We took out all the Yiddish sketches and jokes <laughs> and kind of rewrote it for ourselves. And Neil Simon approved. And it worked. Yeah. It, oh, my God. It worked. People loved it? They really did. Working with Jerry is so easy. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. breaks me up. Yeah. I have a hard time keeping a straight face. Really? Yeah, yeah. But it worked. And we had a great time. When, when did you have any idea when? How did Mary Poppins work? How did that like? Uh, how did that all come together? Well, I've, I had been doing the Van Dyke show, and when I got the call from Disney, I assumed, well, he needs somebody who can sing and dance. Right. Yeah. And he likes my work. You still refuse to admit that you can sing and dance. Huh? You could sing and dance by well, that I, point. You knew you could. I just fake it so well that people don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Walt had heard me in an interview in which I said there was a dearth of family entertainment. Uh -huh. And I didn't think the family entertainment there was was very good. And that's why he hired me. It had nothing to do with my ability. Right. He just wanted everyone to like it, whole family. <laughs> the, he wanted the kids and the grown-ups to enjoy them. Right. And it was a great experience. Yeah. It's one of the few times in a production where you don't know day to day whether it's going. We knew this was magic. Yeah. Everybody, Julie Andrews, we kept saying. How'd you know? How'd you know? I don't know. Just the feeling. Yeah. And this you got is, along with her? Oh, yeah. You got along with everybody. It was, it was a lot of hard work. Where'd they shoot that? All in the Disney studios. Uh -huh. All inside. Uh-huh. A lot of people think we did it in England. There wasn't an exterior shot in the whole movie. All, all in the All in, stage. on stage, yeah. Wow. But it, we knew just it had some kind of a winsome quality about it that we knew it was good. And did you feel that way about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang too? No, I fought the whole way through that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird movie, right? It is a very weird movie. It's, it, uh, you know, it lacked Walt Disney's touch for one thing. Who directed that one? A guy named Ken Hughes uh -huh. who didn't even like children. Right. It was the wrong guy altogether. He didn't like kids. Uh -huh. He was always cussing in front of the kids. Really? And I was always saying, would you please not cuss in front of the children? <laughs> and we, uh, we did a lot of rewriting. Mm -hmm. It lacked Walt Disney. The, uh, Walt the Disney. magic. You and I that. was trying to bring that. Right. But what saved it was the Sherman Brothers wrote good songs. music. Great songs. And Mark and Dee Dee, uh, who did the choreography and Poppins, I managed to get them. You brought them in. Yeah, I brought them in. Uh -huh. So that's, as a matter of fact, I brought them into Disney. Walt had never heard of them. Really? <laughs> yeah. So you, you actually spent time with Walt Disney? Yes. What was he like? He, they, he was avuncular. Uh -huh. Everybody called him Uncle Walt. Uh -huh. And he was that easy going. He uh -huh. was just an old shoe guy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But, I mean, he was very strict about what he wanted. Uh -huh. You better come up to snuff for him. But I liked him a lot. I'm trying to remember, like, because I was trying to, I was driving over here, and, and I'm not the greatest at research, and I was trying to remember, like, because I remember seeing Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and, and I remember it being upsetting somehow. The the the, uh, the songs were great, but there wasn't there these, wasn't that with the, the Land of Misfit Kids? Is that in that movie? Or yes, the Child Catcher. Yeah. Yeah. And there was like a, a cave or a sewer where all where these all kids. All those kids were, were being hidden, yeah. Like that, it just haunted me. Like, I can't even remember the story of the movie. 
But I remember yeah. being horrified. All these kids were living underground. Well, I didn't realize at the time. People tell me when they were children, yeah. that child catcher scared them to death. That was it, yeah. He was really, but at the time, I didn't think of it. Yeah, and people still watch that thing. They yeah. love that movie. It, and it's, it's three hours long. It's a, it's it's a, a big movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when did the second, the, the second television uh, um, show with your name on Dick, Dick Van Dyke and Company. Yeah. What, the, oh, how the, long? That was the variety show. Yeah. That was. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think. Was it early 70s? Must yeah. Mid 70s. Yeah, fairly early 70s. I did one out in Arizona, a sitcom that ran three years with, with Hope Lang uh-huh. called The New Dick Van Dyke Show or something like that. Right. And then Van Dyke and Company, it only ran for 12 shows. But that was the time of the variety show, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah like uh, Carol Burnett and Sonny and Cher and Tony Orlando. And I, everybody yeah. had variety shows, right? We, we ran 12 shows and got canceled and then won a, an Emmy. And we were against Saturday Night Live. We beat out Saturday Night Live for, for an Emmy. So that Maybe must have been 76. That was 76 or 70. Yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and Andy Kaufman was on this show with yes. you? Yes. We kind of introduced Andy. What was that? I mean, what was, how did you, he's such an oddball. How did you audition? Where, what was that process with him? Well, we auditioned him and the writers got up and walked out. Just said, this is, this is nothing. What did he do? What, played the bongos <laughs> and then got angry and began to cry and picked up his bongos and left <laughs> and the writers didn't get it. Did you? They just said, well, yes, I had seen him. <laughs> so we, what we did, yeah. we would start a big musical number, yeah. and Andy would wander on and interrupt us. Right. And I, I would finally, in exasperation, say, go ahead and go off stage. The audience loved him. Yeah. He was so hot. And he really didn't do anything. Did you get, did you get along with him? Did you talk to him? Well, he was incredibly shy. Yeah. He barely spoke. He was a transcendental meditation. Yes, that was, his, uh, that was his So big he was thing. usually sitting on a blanket in his room meditating yeah and that that was his thing so yeah. he, he didn't talk to anybody Very now when did you like um because i know that you did a, some t a lot of tv movies and you you had another long-running series with the with the diagnosis murder that ran for like the 20 years i ever held a job yeah, yeah, 10 like a, years that, that, show. A, that was a good show they, and they handed out the 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 episodes piecemeal mm -hmm. they never picked up a whole season five and then three more mm -hmm. we never knew what was going to happen to it and you worked briefly with Carol, Bur Carol Burnett? Brief, very briefly. Because it was, it was on the Carol Burnett show. Yeah. And Corman left. Yes. And they brought you in. But supposedly not to replace. You can't, yeah. No, there's but no such thing Dyke. as replacing Yeah, her. I know, but I mean at that point. But it, that is how it kind of turned out. Just by default, they kept writing the same kinds of sketches. Mm -hmm. And Harvey Corman was a character actor of unsurpassed yeah. by anybody you both have very unique approaches to comedy oh, yeah. very different uh, he was, harvey was nobody like him yeah and tim conway's yeah, aim in life was to break him up that's yeah, all he yeah. cared about do you know tim do you have friends oh yeah him? yeah He's, i know tim very so well funny they were they were all so funny. <laughs> God, they were funny yeah and you get and you got along with carol all right oh yeah carol had been on uh my show, yeah, on my writer show, and I had done the Carol Burnett show, excuse me, as a guest, <clears throat> number of times, so it seemed kind of natural, but uh, it was just you couldn't replace Harvey Corman, and that's the way it fell. Right, and then you, and then well, we got, all knew it wasn't working, you know, but it wasn't a hard no, feeling type of no, thing. No, no, no. We all said this, this doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> now, you got sober in '74. Well, I got sober. 
kind of in uh, pieces. Yeah. It was over a long period of time. Because I'm sober 13 years. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, great. And, you know, and I know that you've talked about it a little bit. And I just wanted to, like, like my big question about guys who drank in the time that you guys drank. You know, everybody like, drank. Right. Everybody drank. I mean, right. I, you, you watch Mad Men. Do you watch Mad Men, the TV show at all? Yeah, but I, it, for me, having been there, it's inauthentic. Is it why? Not enough drinking or too much drinking? <laughs> not enough drinking. The clothes are, don't, are not right. Okay. I kept saying, you got to let me tell you how to do a Brooks Brothers suit. Uh-huh. Clothes were wrong. They were? That always bought, yeah. yeah. Didn't look like the 60s to me. It too, too flashy or too... Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Too much shoulder padding, the uh-huh. eyes too wide. Just a lot of little... Oh, really? A lot of little things. Yeah. But like the drinking in the workplace and all that stuff and the smoking in the workplace, that was the way it was. Of course. Everybody. <laughs> I mean, three martini lunches. <laughs> I don't, how do you do that? Yeah. I don't, I don't even think at my best day I could have done that. Oh, no. Without I napping. Know. I mean, that's my big question. Did you go nap? I mean, if you drank three martinis at lunch, did you go back to <laughs> well, the Well, I office? actually didn't do I went to lunch with these CBS executives uh-huh. down at Louis and Armand's, and they would, I couldn't. Yeah. I, I couldn't do it. I didn't even start drinking until I was well into my 30s. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I didn't drink in nightclubs or... Really? So the, you made it through all the you right. made it through all the nightclub act, all the early comedy stuff yeah. without touching a drop. And then in my early thirties, I got started. I was very shy. Yeah. And I found a drink or two uh-huh. loosened me up, and I became really gregarious, uh-huh. or I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just the life of the party until yeah. you know, your memory runs out. And but it took me a long time to realize that I'm dependent on this stuff. You know. Yeah. How how bad did it get? Uh. I never really got in any trouble. Yeah. There are several times I should have had a DUI. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody ever stopped me when I was really gone. I never drank at work. Never? You never performed drunk? No. I would drink at night, and mm-hmm. then I always performed with a hangover. A lot. Right, right, right. That happened. And I tried, I went to rehab a couple of times. Uh, nothing, AA, of course. Yeah. What happened to me is I, it slowly stopped working. I would drink and feel a little dizzy and yeah. a little sick yeah but you know i didn't get that thing right 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 and it just went away that's little that, by little i don't even think about it now. It's, isn't that the most frustrating thing when uh, alcohol doesn't work anymore where you're like <laughs> oh, you, you, yeah. how is this you know you have these yeah. expectations and you're like i guess your, your drinking machine breaks yeah you just <laughs> the body just like nope you, you need more yeah. yeah does that happen to you well, well, you know what ultimately happens is you. Well, you know what they say that you're always chasing that first time. You know, you're always chasing that feeling that you got yeah. the first time you drank. You know, for your entire life, <laughs> you know that you know, you're never going to get back to that, That's that right. one great drink. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, what I noticed was I was always a funny drunk. Yeah, and had. But as time went by, I started to get uh, a personality change. I would get argumentative. For oh, yeah. no reason whatsoever. Sure. And I get a personality change, uh-huh. which really worried me. Right. You started to become sort of a, 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 an angry guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cranky. A cranky, a cranky drunk. Yeah. yeah. No, not a And I realized something, you know, there's yeah. something right here. I'm not having any fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and you haven't had a drink in a long time. Oh, God. knows. 26 years, I wow. think. Wow. Cigarettes, too. You used to smoke a lot of Yeah, I've got cigarettes were harder. Oh, God. By far. I'm still on this stuff. All right. I, I take the, uh, you got the gum? I can't, I got, I got the lozenges. Oh. Yeah, you just suck oh, on I'm these. Oh, I'm hooked you know? on the gum. Yeah. But How's it's not it? hurting my lungs, I figure. That's, I, I feel the same way. 
It's you the greatest thing. Something. Yeah, absolutely. I can't, <laughs> you know, I can't go anywhere without him. Yeah. It's almost like, it, to me, it's sort of like, this is my antidepressant. <laughs> this, is, this is what's keeping, of course. Me, it's keeping me level. Even Freud said, you have to have some kind of, of you know, something that changes your attitude. Yeah. You have, well, of course, he had cocaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got to have something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or, how, what, or you just got to, what are you going to just take life head on? That's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, no. Who the hell can do that? <laughs> so the SAG Award, that was just happened, huh? I watched the acceptance speech. That must have been mind blowing. When did you know that you had it? They told me several months in advance. I had been a bridesmaid a number of times. I gave Julie Andrews hers. Yeah. And a year before, I gave Mary Tyler Moore I saw Moore Mary hers. Tyler Moore. I saw you give her hers. So, but then they said I was going to get one. Uh-huh. And I was tickled to death. And I took my whole, all my kids. But they were surrounded by stars, and they just stargazed. They were blown away by yeah. everybody around them. Yeah, everyone was there. Oh, yeah. And some of your kids act, right? Uh, my son, Barry, who yeah, did a yeah, yeah. uh, diagnosis with me for 10 years. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I had all my other kids on too I, t- I took nepotism just about to the, <laughs> yeah. the ultimate well it's, a, it's even a, had my it's grandkids a, on a family brand yeah the van dyke brand of acting well that's what we liked they always knocked that show because it was you know so retro it was uh-huh. like the 50s but we did it purposely that way to make it a family show we kept it light and you stayed on the air for a long time 10 years and had, yeah and you had yeah loyal, People yeah, everybody got it. well on that show. Yeah, yeah. So what? When when you accepted that award, I mean, I can't. It always strikes me that those rooms, as as uh, as an amazing as amazing as that community is, it seems like a tough gig to 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 stand up in front of all of Hollywood. All those, yeah, all those people. Yeah, you're looking out at all the great right. talent there is. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I said. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. looking out at at the, a great generation of acting because acting is different. If you look at a, a movie made in the 40s, mm-hmm. everyone seems so affected. <laughs> it was a style, though, almost. It was know, there a was, style. There was a clip to it. Yeah. That there was a pace. That it, was, it seemed to be a, a, a more of a, a writer's game in a way. Yeah. That, that the actors, we, you just had the, a patter. There was, it was more about the pace. And there were, there were people who just popped out of the screen. Yeah. Who had screen, like uh, Spencer Tracy. Did was you a know heck him? of a good actor. Do you know him? No, I never met him. He was something, right? But he had impact on this guy. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. a hell of a good actor. But there are not many people like that to me. The Clark Gables and the Gary Coopers, who just by stint of dint of who they were. Yeah. A certain magnetism. Well that's well that's the weird thing about acting in general, is that there's some people that just fit up there. Yeah. And and you can't really explain it. You can't be taught or anything. No. They just fit on screen. Yeah. And I think a lot of them, for some reason, are, are usually about five feet tall. <laughs> I've noticed that about right. stars. Like, you know, when you meet stars and you're like, oh, my God, you're like a dwarf. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Dustin Hoffman is, yeah, is tiny. short. Yeah. 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 Uh, Tom, uh, Tom Cruise. They're all, they're all like this big. They can just sit on your lap. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how it works. And you're like lanky and tall. And yeah. you fit on there. Who were some of the great things that, like, in terms of your memories of working with people? Were there moments where you were just like, oh, my God? No, I've never, I've worked with some very good actors, but none of the really, you know, the cream right. of acting. And I've always wanted to because they say that you rise to their level. If you're working, like playing tennis, yeah, yeah, yeah. you get better. Yeah, yeah. But I've never worked with anybody really of that. I did a 
movie with Maureen Stapleton, who's she's great, yeah, incredible, yeah, 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 actor. But most of them are about on my level. Okay, <laughs> very comfortable. <laughs> what, what level is that? I don't know. <laughs> but credibility, yeah. yeah. But you're like a, such a defined personality. Like everybody knows who Dick Van Dyke is. Do you realize that? Yeah, I'm surprised to find that. <laughs> Yeah, I get <laughs> mail from Europe and you know Africa. Yeah, still. Uh, yes, uh, as a matter of fact, it's picked up. Yeah. Or oh, maybe the SAG Awards did. Suddenly, I'm getting a lot of mail. Hey, what, what, what kind of? What do they usually say? Always very nice, complimentary. Uh -huh. You know, uh -huh. I grew up with you. That kind of. Right, right, thing, right, so. right. And but when, it's nice when you did the like because you know the the Dick Van Dyke show is, is sort of defined you know everything about you. Yes, you know, in terms of the public, and w with all this sort of physical comedy and stuff, I mean, how much of that? Because, like, I'm always fascinated by. There's very rare people. It's very rare that somebody can just be funny sitting down, or you know, just like they exude that. There's right. a physical timing to it, and everything else. Yeah. And that's something you that you can't really learn, right? I mean, it's something you have. Yeah, the Stan Laurel always said, some people have a funny bone, and others don't. Right. But I know a lot of people who do comedy who don't yeah. really have a funny. They're not funny. Yeah. You, they're you not sit funny. and talk to them and they just they shut can down. Play act. Right. Uh, my brother, Jerry, has a funny bone. He cannot help it. He's funny without even trying. Right. And he, he kills me. We, we laugh at my brother constantly. And he's not trying to be funny. He's right, just right. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I have to try harder than that. But, yeah. But if something tickles me, I can make it funny. You can push it. So, like, when you guys were doing, like, because you're very physical. Yeah. So, there were, they're, they're, like, with Carl and maybe with the other writers or whoever you're working with, with Mary, because, I, you know, I, you know I'm, a, I'm a heady kind of comic. I'm, I don't, you know, my physicality, I don't think to use it. But, like, with someone like you, you guys would literally say, well, try it. Maybe if you fall over here or you do a double take or you do this stuff, that you kind of work it, right? Uh, yeah. It, Carl knew I loved to do the physical comedy, so whenever he could work it in, he would. And he would always work in a song and dance number for Mary and myself, right. if it fit. Right. He knew that's what we loved to do. Right. So there's probably 50 song and dance numbers in yeah. that five years. Just because he wanted to, we wanted to have to a good do. time. You don't get that on most sitcoms. <laughs> yeah. Are you acting? Do you do, are you doing anything now? Well, mostly I'm, I have this quartet, the Fantastics, that I sing with, four young guys and myself. And uh, God, we, we've done concerts in colleges, appeared for the president at the Ford Theater in Washington, sang uh, the Star Spangled Banner for, the, for Staples, for the Lakers. We're everywhere, but mostly fundraisers. Do you? Uh, we sing for fun. Yeah, it's just something you like to do. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, is acting done or you just? No, uh, but you know, my kind of stuff is, they don't do much anymore. No? No. What would you like to do, acting-wise? I don't know. I was thinking maybe of King Lear, about that age. <laughs> a Dick Van Dyke, King Lear. That's what. Yeah, why not? Call Mel. <laughs> I'll call Mel. <laughs> yeah, he would probably jump at that. Well, great. What are you doing? That's that would be amazing. Get Mel Brooks to direct Dick Van Dyke as, as King Lear. That would be hilarious. Yeah. You know, four daughters to be angry at. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. That's amazing. So, like, how many of these guys from those days do you, do you spend time with? I mean, how many are left? Uh, none. No, yeah. They're really, everybody yeah. is gone. And you're 80 what? 87. I yeah. just turned 87 in December. Yeah. I talked to uh, Tim still around, Tim, uh, and uh, 
Tim Conway? Tim Conway. I just talked to, to Mike Connors, Mike Connors, who did, do you remember uh -huh. Mike Connors? Which one's he? He did a couple of cents of movies. Mike's still around, but uh, all my buddies in my hometown, there's one left. Uh -huh. And he's, Gene, he's Bob Hackman, Gene Hackman's uncle. Gene was from my hometown. Really? From Danville, Illinois. Do you know Gene Hackman? I knew him. He was a lot younger. Oh, so you knew when he was a he kid? He used to hang around us. He must have been an intense yeah, kid. Yeah, well, he was a lot younger. And we would say, Gene, you know, go away. Don't bother us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're with the older guy. Yeah. <laughs> so when I, I met him out here, I said, you know, if I had known yeah, you yeah. were going to be a star, it would have been a lot nicer. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's an interesting yeah. actor. He huh? turned out to be sensational. Wild. But I don't have uh, the group I knew. Yeah. Are just about all gone. We were at Sid Caesar's house Saturday. Right, right, right. And Sid's, you know, very ill. How often do you guys go over there? Uh, whenever we're invited. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love to be there because these anecdotes about the Sid Caesar show and Mel's got stories to tell. When we left Saturday night, Mel came up to me and said, You seem to enjoy the company of Jews. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the first time he's ever said that to you you never said it before no but uh we're always invited and yeah. i didn't realize that we are the only gentiles there which i'm very flattered well yeah you were always surrounded by jews of I think, course in those <laughs> yep billy persky you know who wrote so many good shows said the secret of the show was uh write yiddish play british Oh, yeah. That it was really a, a Jewish attitude. Yeah. And I think it was. I think that, you know, the, the structure of, uh, of, of television comedy was, yeah, built on yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, I, I always played a the lot rhythm. of guilt. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you? <laughs> Will neurotic. Mary would lay on me, yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure, uh, Mr. Van Dyke. I appreciate you talking. I enjoy talking. Hey, Dick, do you still sing the theme to the Dick Van Dyke show yeah. that, uh, oh, that Maury Amsterdam wrote? Oh, sure. Wrote? Yeah, we sing it with the quartet. We do an arrangement. Let's go out with that. You yeah. know, nobody, it was never published. But was it written originally? Like, did he get music credit on it? Or was no, something he, he just put did on it later? for fun. Oh, he did it later. And it was never used. I don't think it was ever published. Yeah. And I've looked for somebody to ask if it's all right if we sing it. Yeah. But there's Who's no survivors left? that <laughs> I know of. <laughs> That's one of the benefits about living, everybody. <laughs> right. No copyright problems. <laughs> what, you want to sing it? You sure. Okay. Mm. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. So you think that you got trouble? Well, trouble's a bubble. So tell all Mr. Trouble to get lost. Why not hold your head up high and stop crying, start trying, and don't forget to keep your fingers crossed. When you find the joy of living is loving and giving, you'll be there when the winning dice are tossed. A smile is just a frown that's turned upside down, so smile on that frown or defrost. And don't forget to keep your fingers crossed. Ba -doom -doom. You don't have to fall over the ottoman. It's, just, it's basically radio. <laughs> Thank you, Dick. A pleasure. I got to say, that was an amazing experience for me. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. He couldn't have been sweeter. Uh, his wife was very, they were very hospitable and nice. Thank you, Tim, uh, for setting that up. And, uh... It happened, you know? That just happened. It just happened. 
Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs, if you could. Uh, you can get some merchandise. You can get on the mailing list. You can kick in a few shekels. You can see who, who's been on the show. Get the app. Upgrade to the premium app. Go to the calendar where you will find that I am performing perhaps somewhere near you. We're going back to uh, to Boston to fill in for those snow days. I'll be at the Hookie Lao in Chicopee, Massachusetts on March 29th. I'll be at the Wilbur Theater in Boston on March 30th for a live WTF and a stand-up show. I'll be at... Uh, at the uh, at Crackers Comedy Club in Indianapolis. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to uh, doing that. I've been there in a while. Going to go over to Bob and Tom, maybe do Chick McGee's podcast and do uh, like five shows at Crackers. Get ready for the special. I'll be at the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco on April 13th. Excited about that. Love San Francisco. I'll be in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania at the Music Fest Cafe on April 19th. Um, haven't been there before. Excited. Yes. Moon Tower Comedy Festival, Austin, Texas, April 24th through 27th with the live WTF stand-up shows. And I'm going to be uh, giving a sneak peek. Do you call it that? Can I call it that? Of my new show, Marin, on IFC, which premieres May 3rd. And uh, what else we got? Sure, Milwaukee, Paps Theater, May 4th. And then somewhere in the middle of April, I'm doing a, a taping of the special in New York. I'll, I'll, I'll try and let you know when that is. Aside from that, I hope you enjoyed Dick Van Dyke. And if you, if the, the show looks terrific on the Blu-ray box from uh, the Dick Van Dyke show, the complete series, that's from uh, Image Entertainment. Um, look, I'll be honest with you. I, I got it given to me, and I love it. But I think it's worth buying, you guys. Can I t- All right? Okay. I got to recover. I'm going to be on vacation. Do you need to know that? Should I be telling you that? I don't need to tell you that. All right. Boomer lives. <laughs>